Welcome to the third episode of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast, the week of April 17th, 2017. With me in the front office this week is Keith, Phil, and Todd. Starting off tonight, we're going to dive deep into some ranking debates on hot players this year. Keith, what do you have for us? All right, so I wanted to jump right in and kind of talk about, like you were saying, some of the players that have got off to hot starts to see how much their value has changed in the first few weeks. Now, we don't want to invest too much into the first few weeks of the season, but some of these guys have had awesome starts. The first guy that I want to highlight or talk about, and we'll kind of debate back and forth between the guys who they would rather have, is Eric Thames. Hit another home run tonight. He's got seven on the season now. So I want to bring up a couple different guys and see if we can kind of debate who's got more value rest of season. But before I jump in, any uh, any quick thoughts on uh, on Thames? He's just the guy that's coming from back from Japan. Um, came up early in his career. Didn't really do very well over here in the major leagues. Uh, kind of struggled a little bit and then never really caught on. Went over to Japan. Dominated over there. Had a 40-40 season somehow. Unbelievably, I found out today. <laughs> and came back over here on a contract that uh, some think Chris Carter should have gotten. He's currently on an 87 home run pace. So that's... Uh, Probably not sustainable. I think I'll um, take one, the under. Yeah, uh, yeah, take I'll take the, the under. Yeah. Too. One of the interesting things that I found and kind of diving a little bit deeper into him today is he's got a, a career 14.6% home run to fly ball, fly ball rate up to this season, small sample size. He's currently at a 46.2% home run to fly ball rate. So not uh, not really going to continue at that pace, but obviously off to an awesome start. Also, one more thing I'll point out real quick is he's not even in the top 30 as far as exit velocity. So Joe Maurer's got a, a, a better exit velocity than, uh, than Eric Thames does right now. But let's jump in real quick. I'm going to bring up a couple guys. You guys just tell me real quick, would you rather have Thames or this player? So the first one is Thames or Eric Judge? Or I'm sorry, uh, Aaron Judge. Um, I think I go Thames on that one. I would go Thames too. Just higher batting average. Okay. Right. Are we talking just this season or are we talking dynasty? I'm going to say just this season. Okay. Just this season. Yeah. Let's go Thames. Uh, Thames or Jock Peterson? Thames. I think Thames. I take Thames also. Okay. Same reason too. Okay. Let's go a little bit uh, tougher here. Thames or Duvall? Duvall. Low, low batting average, but he hit 30 home runs last year. He did in the majors. Yep. That's the one thing that's key. And the one thing we didn't talk about is, is that Thames isn't really hitting against lefties right now. So that's true. I I think he'll actually hit him against lefties just based on how quick of a start he's got off to, but only time will tell on that. What do you guys think, uh, Thames or Duvall? That's tough. I would probably go with Duvall, just uh, same reasons Phil said. You know, he's done it before. He's still pretty young, too, so yeah, Duvall. I would actually take Thames on this. You know, we've talked about this flyball revolution for so long, uh, on our show anyway, that Thames is actually the opposite. He had that mentality going over to Japan, and it seems that he's leveled off his swing, and He's hitting a lot more line drives, so I would say his batting average is going to stay much higher than Duvall's. But I mean, home runs—you're you're you're probably flipping a coin on him. Okay. I got one more since uh, since we did have one that went Thames on that one. How about uh, Thames or Ozuna? Ozuna. Off to another pretty Ozuna. big start, too. Yeah, Ozuna for sure. All right, so that's uh, that's it for that one. I had a couple other ones listed, but I'm guessing you guys are taking Sano, Chris Davis, and Kyle Schwarber over uh, Thames? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just wanted to see how far the hype was going to go. I mean, he's only owned <laughs> right now in 76% of leagues, so there's still some leagues where he's not picked up. I think our recommendation is definitely to pick him up in those leagues, ride the hot 
hot streak for as long as it lasts. But personally, I don't think it's going to be sustainable at this point. Um, you know, I'm, I probably pencil him in for 25 home runs. So you're talking maybe 19 the rest of the season. What do you guys think? I would honestly take the over on that just because of Miller Park. That's a good point. It's one of the best home run race, uh, parks in the league, especially for left-handed hitters. So I would say probably gets to 32 Okay. total. Yeah, I, I would take the over two on 19. The thing that does scare me of Thames is that they do have Jesus Agu, who they got last year. He's a first base option. And then also if they trade Ryan Braun midseason, that's his protection that's gone. So the sustainability of what he's doing right now, I'm not sure. That's true. I think they were, there were some rumors that uh, the Dodgers were showing some interest in Braun. I don't know if that's cooled off the last couple of days, but uh, that's a good point, Todd. Let's jump into the next one. Uh, the next one I have on my list is another guy that's got off to a pretty hot start. Um, it's Miguel Sano. Owned in 94% of leagues, drafted in about the 12th round. He's a guy that's got, you know, 80 plus plus power, and he's got off to a pretty good start. So any thoughts on Sano? Yeah, Sano's a monster. He's uh he's a guy that came up back in 2015 and then had that Tommy John surgery. He came up really early and just mashed the ball, had a 530 slug, uh, 916 OPS, and then uh, came back last year and didn't do quite as well, obviously. Needed a little bit more time to recover, it seemed like. But this year he's come out swinging. This is this is the best Miguel Sano you could hope for. And I think it's possible that, that, you know, this is the breakout that we see from Miguel Sano. We're all kind of waiting for it, so we could be watching it right now. But, you know, for me, I'm going to need to see a little bit more, probably a few more weeks of consistency as far as at the plate. But he's putting some good multi-hit games together and, and looks pretty good at the plate. Let's jump in real quick and, and see who you guys would rather, Miguel Sano or Justin Turner, rest of the season. I would take Sano. Sano. I would take Sano. Okay. Miguel Sano or Eric Hosmer, who had a pretty good World Baseball class but seems to be cooling off. I would take Sano on that one, too. Same here. I would take Sano. All right. What about Miguel Sano or Phil's boy, Alex Bregman? Mm, probably Sano still. Yeah, just this year, I would take Sano. Right. Yeah, Sano. Okay. All right. Getting a little bit tougher here. Miguel Sano <laughs> or Chris Davis? That's Chris Davis uh, with a C. Mm, I would take Sano. Yeah, oh. higher batting average and better on base. I'm not a fan of the C, Chris Davis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would take Snow ex- too. Okay, I would expect uh, I'm taking Snow as well. I would expect uh, Chris Davis to probably hit more home runs, but I agree with you. Snow's probably an overall better hitter, and I think he's got the power. Maybe not the Chris Davis power, but he's. Pr- Pretty close. What about Miguel Sano or Hanley Ramirez? I would take Hanley. That's that's my cutoff. Yeah, I'll yeah. go Hanley there. Did you? This is a little <laughs> off subject. Did you guys see uh, Hanley Ramirez in his eye black yesterday or the day before? Yeah, where it was like the Catwoman or Cat whatever. Whiskers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just Man. seems like such a fun guy. <laughs> All right. Now that he doesn't have to play short, so who, stop and who? run balls down into the outfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw yesterday or it was last week. He had a quote, and he says they're talking about him maybe going back to first base. And he said, "I hit only." So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the Halle Berry look doesn't look very good on Hanley. Miguel Sano or. Carlos Santana. I'm guessing you guys are all going Santana on this. Okay, so it sounds like our cutoff right there is is uh, right about the Hanley mark. I would agree with that. Um, good, strong start, though, by Sano. And unlike Eric Thames, I think it's actually more sustainable. Well, one thing to point out is that his strikeout to walk rate right now, he's got 11 walks and 16 yep. strikeouts in 12 games. Yeah. And that's that's huge for him because he was usually about 3-1 to one for strikeout to walk in the past. If he can keep it, you know, 75% to the other one, that would be pretty amazing for him to be able to do for the season yeah, he's got like a 400 plus on base right now which is yeah 
you know, I was looking and, and you got a guy like, you know, Votto right now who's struggling to take a walk, which is just kind of weird. But um, yeah, he's got twice as many walks, I think, as Votto does right now. Oh, since you brought up Votto, I heard something very strange the other day, and it was that Votto was baiting pitchers to throw him better pitches in the second half of the season last year, so he was swinging at bad pitches. What? And right now, Votto has Votto what? has the highest swinging percentage of pitches in the major leagues right now. He wow. swings at, he swings at more pitches in the major leagues than anyone else. I actually I brought this up on another show last week. He did last year. He 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 talked to a couple of reporters about it, and about I don't know three fourths the way through the year after the All Star break, he talked about it. He talked about kind of baiting pitchers or training pitchers to pitch him a certain way so that he could capitalize on it later in the season when it counted, um, which seems like a crazy thing, a Votto like thing to do. But I I kind of believe him because if you look at his second half that he, what he did, he had a great second half. So. It worked. I don't think you can necessarily do that two years in a row. I mean, I think the cat's kind of out of the bag at this point. And right. pitchers are going to pitch him the yeah. way that, you know, his profile suggests for, you know, when he was hitting the best. I don't think that you can trick him, their, the pitchers, twice in a row to, to pitch you that well, way. But hold on. Not necessarily because, I mean, look at how statistically focused we are today. If you're going to pull up a batter's charts, you're going to say, okay, what has he done this season? What did he do last year? You're not going to be looking much further than that because, I mean, we have small sample size now, but to extend it over last season, it's what is he doing lately? And if he's doing this to bait them into, oh, I'll swing lazily at certain pitches, they're not going to go back and look at the film and say, oh, he he wasn't really trying on that one. They're going to just... they're gonna look at it and say, oh, here's his cold spot. I'm going to start throwing pitches there. And once they do, he's going to rock them. I mean, it's a real oh. mind screw, really. It, it is. And I, Matt, I don't... Matt scientist, for sure. Some uh, Jedi mind tricks. That's exactly what it is. Right. I, I don't worry about Votto right now. I own him, like, in, like, 20 leagues or five leagues, but I own him in every place that I could. And I'm not worried one bit at his slow start because we've seen it before. I think he's probably one of the best pure hitters in baseball. I just, I don't worry about him one bit, even though he's taken four walks this season and he's got like a buck 46 batting average. I just don't care. He'll be fine in two weeks. He'll go eight for 11 and he'll, you know, take four walks and he'll be fine. So I don't worry about Votto. The next guy that I have, listed will actually rank up against uh, Votto here in a second, and that's going to be Juanes Cespedes. So again, off to a, a pretty hot start. He's got six home runs and uh, 10 RBIs already in only 13 games. Yeah, and, and just to reference his stats since he's been with the Mets, he's got 54 home runs in 202 games. So quick math, he home runs, you know, he hits a homer in 25% of the games he plays in or, or more. So it's it's a home run every four games. Um, he's off to to even better start this season. I think some of his batted ball data supports what he's doing. I think he's off to a good, maybe not sustainable standpoint. I think him and, and, and Thames are both on on pace for like 70-plus home runs. What do you guys think the over-under for Cespedes home runs are this year? He's at over 30 the last two years. So, yeah. I mean, I would set it firmly at 30 and probably take the over. I would take the over. He hit 31 last year. So. And, and only 132 games. Yeah. If he, if he gets if he gets a full season, 150, 155 games, I could easily see him hitting 35 again, like he did two years ago. Yeah, my over under was going to be 35. If you had to peg a player that you think, or one of the top five guys that you think could hit more than 40 home runs this season, 
Would Cespedes be in that top five? Top five? No. 40 is a big number. He's never done it before. I think he's got 40 home run potential. I'm not saying he'll do it this year, but I think obviously there's something that's working there in New York. You know, he took kind of a hometown discount going back there, and, and I think he did it for a good reason. He's obviously had some good numbers there. All right, let's jump right into it. Cespedes or Cargo? Cespedes. Cespedes. Yeah, Cespedes. Cespedes or Daniel Murphy? Cespedes. Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm. Cespedes as well, but it's really close. Can we get both? <laughs> if if you did, you'd be doing fine. All right, uh, that one's kind of a, a toss-up. What about Cespedes or Edwin Encarnacion, who's off to a, a pretty tough start? Cespedes. Cespedes. I think I would take Encarnacion on that one. You'd take E5? He's, he, he's a guy that I think has the raw 40 home run power that can hit in any park. One of those guys that you were just talking about a second ago. One of the top five guys that if you had to pick five guys and one of them has to be in there or else you die, he would be one of the guys. <laughs> I would put let's, in there. Let's put it this way. If you're a Cespedes owner right now, Phil, and somebody sends you an offer straight up for Encarnacion, are you saying you're taking that deal? Depends on what my outfield and my first base situation's like, but I mean, if it's apples to apples and everything else lines up right, yeah, I would take that deal. Okay. I think that's pretty close for me. I, I agree. I, I think I still take Cespedes just because he's currently doing it. I don't think the gap was that large going into the season. I'm obviously a Cespedes believer. I've, I've, I own him in a couple leagues as well. Um, I don't own Edwin anywhere, but that doesn't mean that I don't think he can do it. He's He's been one of the most consistent hitters in baseball the last three years. Right. He seems to be on and off the field, but his numbers still support. No matter how many games he plays, his numbers are there. So he's extremely consistent. He's he's getting up there in age a little bit. He's not old, but he's uh, you know he's not 26, 27, 28. Um, all right, jumping on. What about yeah. uh, Cespedes or Votto? Oh, I'm taking Votto all day. Votto, yeah. Now, this is in a regular standard league, so not on base percentage. Still Votto. You're going cross position here. That would really depend on on my situation. Just in a Sam Dyson vacuum, who are you taking? I mean, well, I mean, look at look at it as if you're on the, <laughs> at the draft table and you're the, it's your second pick. Are you taking Votto or are you taking Cespedes? I'm taking Votto probably a hundred times over. That's Cespedes. what I'm saying. But I think it's you know these are these are opportunities for people in these leagues right now. You know, if I'm a Cespedes owner and I am looking out for a first base and I have some excess in outfield, I'd be looking to make that deal. I think you could make that oh, deal across a ton of leagues right now. Yeah, I don't oh, know. I, I don't know if I would make that deal, actually. I just from from which standpoint? Yeah, I don't know if I would do a straight Cespedes for Votto trade. If you were which side, though, is what I'm asking. If you're the Cespedes owner right now, yeah, Jeremy, you're I'm saying... Yeah, I'm the Cespedes owner. You're going to ride the streak out and see what you get? Yeah, huh. yeah, I think I would. I think I'm taking Votto. I think even if that deal came across my... It would be tough. I'd have to I'd have to think about it for a little bit, and it would obviously depend on my team dynamics, but I just I couldn't pass up on, on owning Votto. I think, you know... Even if I had to throw Votto in the utility, I would accept that deal. I mean, it, to me, Votto is just, like you said before, he's just one of the maybe top two or three best hitters in all all of baseball he knows exactly what he wants to do with the ball he reminds me of kind of tony gwen but with power okay. valid point valid argument yeah all right so it sounds like we kind of know where where his value is it's obviously on the rise i think we value him right now as kind of a mid to late second round guy right now rather than like a, a mid to late third round guy which is where he was drafted so if there's an opportunity to pick him up in some leagues or maybe sell high for for guys like uh, Votto or you know even miguel cabrera or somebody like that they're getting off to a slow start i think i'd look for those those opportunities but that doesn't mean we don't believe in Cespedes I think we definitely do so um, all right the, the last one that I want to do is on the pitching side it's a guy that I was pretty high on coming into the season he had a pretty unlucky year last year as far as FIP compared to his ERA 
He's one of the hardest throwing lefties in the game, and it's James Paxton. <laughs> what do you guys think about James Paxton this year? What you've seen? He's been pretty dominant been this year. Yeah. yeah, he's off to an, an awesome start. The, the... He hasn't given up a run yet this year. I think there was a, a lot of hype coming into the season on what he potentially could do. His velocity's been been ticking up pretty strong for the last 14 to 16 months at this point, and the strikeout numbers are definitely there. So. Let's jump right into it, and let's do some rank debates rest of season. Are you guys taking uh, Paxton or the Dark Knight, Matt Harvey? Paxton. Paxton. I got to go Harvey on that one. Ooh. The upside, man. The upside. Harvey's been top 10 pitcher in the past. You can't throw that away. Yeah, but how long ago was that? Three years ago. How many surgeries? He's he's out there throwing 97. I didn't get a chance to pull him up. Hold on. You guys talk for a second. <laughs> right now, Paxton's average fastball velocity is at 95.8 from the left from, side. From the left side, yep. At 6'4", 235. All right, so let me talk a little bit about Harvey. He's got... For his career, uh, a 293 ERA, a 9.0 strikeout to walk, 2.0 or 9.0 K per nine, 2.0 walks per nine, and a 1.08 WHIP. And this year, he has a 2.45 ERA so far, 15 strikeouts and in 18 innings, and 0.92 WHIP. I just don't see why we're downgrading him so much. If he's pitching, I think he's the better pitcher. Yes, he has the injury risk, but all pitchers have the injury risk so if you're giving me a chance at them for equal value i think i go harvey because the upside that i've already seen before i can i can see that the numbers are better when we review them than what i guess i anticipated i think a lot of us me included kind of wrote harvey off i don't own own harvey in any leagues just because of the you know he had the, the thoracic outlet surgery or syndrome that we don't really quite understand yet but all right so we're kind of split on that one what about some easier ones what about paxton or samarja paxton paxton for sure easy for sure easy okay what about an injured uh, David Price, Paxton or David Price, who I think is uh, looks like he's been throwing some bullpen sessions. Um, he hasn't thrown his breaking ball quite yet, but I think he's probably about 10 or 12 days away from any rehab stint or anything like that. So you guys taking Paxton or uh, the injured David Price? I think I'm taking Paxton on that one, and I know it's kind of counterintuitive what I just said, but the <laughs> fact that Harvey, well, Harvey, Harvey's pitching right now and pitching well. Yeah. So, yep. I mean, it, it's different than David. David Price, who was a top 20, top 10 pitcher in the past, where top five pitcher even in the past, you have no timetable for really when he's going to return. If exactly, I knew exactly. if I knew he'd be back next week, then maybe I would pick, you know, David Price at that point. Definitely going to go Paxton here. Um, I'm probably going to go Paxton. Paxton farther than all you guys, which trying to stay true to what uh, I, I did coming in the season. But when Price comes back and starts pitching well, you know, we're all going to have this conversation once again, once he comes out and strikes out you know, eight and, and eight innings and, and uh, you know, pitches a, a close to a shutout. We're all going to change our, our tune. But right now, like you're saying, we don't know what he's, if he's going to come back, when he's going to come back. It's all kind of, you know, hush-hush right now. So um, I, I can agree with that. Um, the next one is uh, Paxton. Price did have, I'm oh, sorry, well, Price did have a 399 last year. So it's not like Price was lights out last season either. At Fenway, I mean. Right, and and that's just the assumption that he's going to come back and be lights well, I'm, out. I'm thinking that he was kind of injured last year and that he just didn't say anything. That happens sometimes. Pitchers just don't ever say anything until it is too late kind of thing. All right, the next one we'll jump into uh, Paxton or McCullers, who I also was a pretty big supporter of coming into the year. I think I'll take McCullers on that one. I'm taking Paxton still. Anybody else? I'm, I'm ruining this for, I'm the, taking Paxton. for you guys. <laughs> 
<laughs> I I'd go Paxton at this point. All right, pa- Paxton, yeah. Paxton or uh, or Zach Greinke. By the way, I'm still taking Paxton. I, I'm taking Paxton <laughs> on all of these so far. What's 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 funny is, is I hate uh, Greinke so much that I'm gonna take Paxton. So it sounds <laughs> sounds so random the, the order that I'm saying yes and no to this. But I I have I have Greinke far down my list. I, I'm very much afraid of well, him. Just for reference, I'm going somewhat in accordance to ADP, but it, that's changed quite a bit um, in the last little bit. Grinky's off to a, I don't know what to call it. It's not a great Medium. start. He got lit up. Yeah, he got lit up pretty Medium. hard against the Dodgers the other day. I watched that game. He didn't look like he was in control, and it was kind of disappointing for me to see. I'm taking Paxton. You guys all taking Paxton on that one, or is somebody else going to stick with Grinky? I'm taking Paxton, too. Yeah, I'm taking Paxton yeah. until that humidor is ready here at Chase Field. <laughs> there you go. All right, what about Paxton or uh, Marcus Stroman, who's off to a pretty good start? Stroman. I'm taking Paxton still. I'm not, I'm not a Stroman believer. Um, I'm sure there's some stats that... The ground ball rate for me with uh, Stroman, it's just amazing. He has, it's over 50% at this point, and it's been like that most of his career. That's pretty much his bread and butter, so that's why he's able to pitch in that ballpark and yep. get away and not have much damage. The non-strikeouts, and maybe he's he's pitching, you know, he's got a little bit more swing and miss this year, but the, the lack of strikeouts to me is just what kind of pushes me off. I think Paxton's got elite level strikeout potential, and yeah. you know, so far he's, he's kind of fulfilling that. All right, the last guy on my list is Paxton or Julio Tehran, which I'm actually going to take Tehran. This is my my cutoff right here. And I, I think I, I view those two on pretty level playing fields for me right now. Tehran's off to a good start this year. I don't think either one of them have given up a run yet. Maybe Tehran did in his last start, but both off to good starts. You should have Paxton in every single league if that's how you feel. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I, tr- I, I got snaked like three or four times. And I think it's because I wrote him up so much in the preseason that everybody that I played in, I think, snaked him like... Like, I had somebody take him in like the eighth round or something. One of the guys that's in our one of our other leagues. And I, the only leagues that I actually got him in were the leagues that I could actually bid up. And I ended up overpaying for him in some of the leagues too. So yeah, I should own him in more spots than I do. But in the snake drafts, I literally got snaked. So wow. All right. Well, yeah, that's, I'm taking uh, t- 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 that too. All right. That's it for for my spot. Definitely some guys that are off to some strong starts. And uh, if there's deals out there to be made, look for opportunities to pick some of those guys up. Cool. Now that'll lead us into our second topic of the night. We're going non closer relievers with value. Now, Phil, we did set some requirements on this list, right? About 30 innings, three and a half Ks to walk, 11 and a half Ks per nine, and a sub one whip. Who do you have for us? All right. So those were stats from last year. Um, I had a, a couple of guys that I wanted to talk about. Um, the first guy was going to be Grant Dayton. He's the Dodgers reliever. Uh, he came up last year. He was a rookie at 28 years old, but he had pretty electric stuff. Uh, he ended up striking out I guess he didn't have 30 innings. Sorry, guys. I thought he did. Uh, anyway, so he ended up striking out uh, 30. I mean, he struck out 39 guys in 26 innings. He had a K per nine of 13.3, and that gave his strikeout to walk rate to be uh, six and a half. So he was he was pretty amazing. Uh, had a 2.05 ERA and a 0.75 WHIP. Now, a lot of times people think that these stats don't matter because they're they don't have a closer role or whatever. Uh, those strikeouts, they matter. The ERA, the whip, that all matters to your team. The one thing that I would like to look at to judge whether or not I would pick up one of these guys is the strikeout to walk ratio. That's why I wanted to put that on there. Uh, you don't want to pick up a guy that's going to be walking a lot of guys, even if he does strike out a bunch, because if he does give up one home run, then it's a three-run home run instead of a solo shot. So does anybody have anything to say about Grant Dayton? Looking up some of his pitch effects information right now, looks like he's a fastball curveball guy. Um, one thing 
thing I'll point out, it looks like his velocity peaked, I guess, in 16, about September. And since then, it's been, you know, dropped a little bit. It was 93.2 in September of last year, and it's kind of slowly gone down. I mean, it's still the beginning of the season. He's probably only pitched a few a few innings, but right now his fastball velocity is about uh, 91-ish. So kind of keep an eye on that to, for him to pick up another mile or two on his fastball. But uh, he relies pretty heavily on it, throws about 85% of the time. Two other guys that I wanted to talk about were going to be Cubs tonight, so I'm just going to kind of lump them together. Uh, Carl Edwards Jr. and Koji Uihara. Both guys had excellent strikeout rates last year. Uihara had 12.6, oh, 12.06, and Edwards Jr. had 13 flat. Both, again, had you know elite strikeout-to-walk ratios. It seemed like they both got unlucky because they had really low whips, but they both had over three ERAs with it. Uihara is a guy that actually, I believe, still holds the record for the lowest whip in Major League history past so many innings pitched. And obviously he used to be a closer, so if anything ever happens to Wade Davis, he'll probably be one of the next in line. I like Yui Hari a lot and, and uh, holds leagues. Had 18 holds last year. He seems to be getting a lot of eighth inning work, especially if uh, Pedro Strope struggling a little bit out of the gate. So in leagues I count holds, I'm a big Koji fan. Yeah, a lot of these guys are uh, going to be really good for the hold leagues. And also um, if you're in leagues that are, as they say, saves for blood league, pick up guys like this because because elite pitchers are the ones that end up becoming the closers later on anyways when guys like Rodney are going to blow it later. So, <laughs> Who do you guys, I think, in that bullpen, if if there were somebody to go down, who's who's taking that job? you think it's Uihara or you think it's Carl Edwards? I think it'd be Uihara because of the experience, to be honest with you. I mean, he's got almost 100 career saves and did it for a team that was in the playoffs. So I think that kind of gives him the upper hand. Yeah, I would agree there. I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time looking at that because I think that, that bullpen's pretty secure, but I think I think I would go with Carl Edwards there, right? The usage that uh, that Madden had him in the playoffs obviously put him in some spots that were pretty tough spots, and he ended up performing real well. I think he's a, a young, up, up-and-coming up pitcher, and I guess if I had to speculate, I'd probably go with, with Edwards, but we're not really in a situation for that right now. Well, the other thing to keep in mind is the fact that he is young, that you would think that they wouldn't want him to get saves because he's pre-arbitration eligible. Those the saves that, become become expensive in arbitration. That is a, that is a yeah. good point. That's a good point. So that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, I'm looking at uh, Uihara's whip for his career. It's 0. 0.871 in 443 innings. Wow. Wow. It's a good so sample it's, size. Not Yeah, not just a cup of coffee. Over nine years he's done that. So he's... <laughs> He's done pretty well for himself. And then the next guy I wanted to talk about, a lot of people thought he was going to become the closer of the Nationals, and that would be Sean Kelly. And the reason they thought he was going to become the closer is because he's probably the best pitcher in the bullpen, uh, which would make sense, but... Dusty Baker's Dusty Baker. So he had a strikeout to walk ratio of 7.2 and a strikeout per nine of 12.4. And he is currently only 12% owned in leagues. And I believe he'll probably be next in line if anything happens uh, to Trinan. So uh, what do you guys think about him? I liked Kelly coming into the season. I think before that bullpen was somewhat established, uh, I think my pick for for the role like kind of like you guys were was going to be Sean Kelly just because he's he's probably got the most experience I think he's the best pitcher in that bullpen obviously had an excellent season last year and I think we were a little bit surprised because coming into the season it sounded like it was going to be Coda Glover and then all of a sudden it was Blake uh, Trinan and, and nobody really expected that to happen so he struggled in the role right now I think the next guy in line is Sean Kelly and I like him to keep that job and have quite a few saves for the Nats if uh, if given the opportunity so 
one of the predictions coming into the season, which is kind of looking worse and worse by the day, um, was that he was going to lead the National League in saves. So uh, probably pretty far behind at this point, but uh, kind of speaks to how much I believe in Sean Kelly. Yeah, he had a few rough, uh, his first three outings this year, he gave up a bomb in each one, but it looks like he's settled down and he's actually snaked a couple wins these last two outings. So uh, he's definitely worth stashing and keeping in your rotation of pitchers each week. All right. And uh, the next guy I want to talk about is on the disabled list right now. Tyler Thornburg came over to the Red Sox in that Travis Shaw trade last year or last winter. He's a guy that, again, high strikeout rate, low walks, had the under one whip. But again, he had an ERA over three, which kind of tells you he was a little bit unlucky, probably because of that ballpark. I honestly think he could be next in line for saves once he comes back, if anything happens to Kimbrell. And at that point, you definitely want to be holding on to him because that team is going to win a lot of games. He is a, a fastball, curveball guy. I'm trying to look up the uh, his whiffs in his last couple outings here. He's been injured for the beginning part of the season, but it's just something where he got traded yeah. up there. And I, and I just think that he's somebody that last year dominated in a, in a pretty tough ballpark. I think going to uh, Boston, having that elite defense in the outfield and uh, and the chance of getting some saves for that team, uh, plus just the, the ratios and things that he'll help you with, that, that just tells me that I would want him to be on my team. He, he's got a ton of swing and miss to his, his four-seam fastball and a little bit on his curve. Um, just looking at month-by-month month, you know, swing and miss, he get, generates a lot of swing and miss with that four-seam, which is why you know what supports that. That strikeout rate, so uh, mid mid nineties to high nineties fastball, definitely somebody that I keep an eye on. All right, and that's a bullpen that doesn't have a lot of depth behind Kimbrel. So right, well they have Joe Kelly, but Joe Kelly's not somebody you want to put a lot of stock into. Trust me, I'm a Cardinals fan. I know. <laughs> so the last guy I wanted to talk about is going to be Chris Davinsky. He's a guy that doesn't necessarily meet most of the requirements that uh, we set for ourselves on this. The thing about it is, is I'm going to put a caveat on it because he was a starter at the beginning of the year and he ended up not having the greatest of strikeout per nine and and strikeout to walk, but when he went into the bullpen he has dominated i think people have taken notice because his uh his ownership percentage is up like 22 percent over the last uh week and a half something like that so he's up to about 30 percent owned if you do want to get in on him now would be the time uh he's a guy that you can put in your starter or relief role so that's nice to have a a, a reliever that can give you some solid stats on days where you don't have a starter going what do you guys think he's probably the guy on this list right now that i'd be the most excited about owning shares of or, or looking to, to pick up. Um, I think he's going to get close to 100 innings pitched this year, probably like last year, get a few starts mixed in there. Um, I don't see him moving into a high leverage late inning role. They're going to use him for, for two, three innings, but those two, three innings could rack you up four or five strikeouts on some nights and give you elite ratios. So he's, he's a guy that I'm looking to kind of slot into that Andrew Miller role um, or, or some of those other guys that have that have actually been mixed league, you know, 10-team, 12-team, standard league relevant over the past couple seasons. Yeah, I try to stay away from the guys that were super known about, super owned in, in most leagues for the last couple of years. But yeah, Davinsky actually had two seven-strikeout outings uh, in relief. The, last, uh, the first week of the season ended up winning me. I know I said it already, but it was uh, pretty awesome to have get up in the front of that and now everybody else is kind of jumping behind it. Well, and because of the role that he's going to be in, 
he's going to get some snake wins. I mean, he's going to come uh-huh. in and tie ball games in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. He's going to pitch, you know, two or three innings, which gives the, the the hitters an opportunity to come back in games or to get ahead in games, which puts him in position for a win. So I think unlike the other guys that are going to pitch one inning, he's more likely to get five, six, seven, eight wins um, in a season as opposed to some of those guys that are just going to pitch the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I agree. Not something you can rely on, but it's kind of an added bonus. If he's going to give you a a 1.1, 1.15 whip and an ERA probably under three, it's nice to get an extra four or five extra wins out of it too. Oh, definitely yeah. a bonus guy. Yeah, that's that's what actually won me the week. Uh, the the win on the weekly league that I was playing, uh, the guy was very very angry that I was playing against because it was that extra inning game and. Boom, just ended up getting that win from it. Well, another guy to keep your eye on in that sort of category would be Archie Bradley if you haven't already picked him up. And I think just to kind of speculate here, the Diamondbacks have talked about, uh, you know, Torre Lovello has talked about maybe a potentially changing his role. The first few weeks of the season, they were like, no, he's going to stay in that role. He's going to be our, you know, our Chris Davinsky, I guess, if you want to put it that way, our, our fifth, sixth, seventh long guy. I think a lot of buzz about him taking the closer role. I personally don't see that happening. I can't see that they're going to pigeonhole him in the closer role. Maybe it's for a similar reason than what uh, Phil was talking about as far as not getting saves at, at that young of an age. But I think they want him as an opportunity to go into the to the rotation if they need him to. Beyond him as the, the potential fifth starter, if one of the other guys fails, the, there's not a whole lot of other options down there in, in the minors. There's a couple of guys you could slot in, but nobody really excited about. So... I think there is some some people whispering about, well, maybe he takes over the closer role. I don't see that as happening. I think he would succeed in it, but I think it's more likely that if he continues to pitch this way and Shelby Miller struggles or Patrick Corbin struggles, that he maybe takes that fifth rotation spot. Moving on to our mailbag questions. We actually have two questions from Andy this week. First question, do I drop Travis Shaw for Brad Miller to play first base in a 12-man deep league? First question I would ask is, is does it have to be Brad Miller? This Second. I would say for this question, yes. Okay, so uh, I would say be patient with Travis Shaw at this point. Uh, it's kind of early in the season. He did get off to a hot start. He has shown flashes in the past where he's done very well. Uh, I think you owe him a little bit more than the hot week and then one cold week. Uh, at this point, I would say hold on to what you have. Brad Miller hit 30 home runs last year, but I think that's extremely fluky. I mean, he's a low batting average guy. He never hit more than 11 before last season i'm holding on to travis shaw i agree my, my recommendation is kind of the same hold, hold on to shaw uh, you d- obviously didn't invest very much in him he was probably a 18th or 19th round pick but you know i'm a sh- i'm a shaw believer i think he has the opportunity to hit a ton of home runs in that ballpark i, I would definitely hold on to him and again i i don't know that i'd be really excited about picking up brad miller the, the batted ball data, data didn't support what he did last year you know i was looking for him to regress coming into the season but if i had to drop shaw for somebody else i think my recommendation was to to look for a guy like ryan zimmerman who is off to a hot start who does have the the data to kind of support what he's doing right now as far as the exit velocity he was a, a top 10 guy last year. If he kind of takes a different approach to, to his swing and stops hitting so many ground balls, you know, he could kind of sustain 
a pretty decent home run pace and hit, you know, 25 or, or plus home runs. So I'd be looking for somebody other than Brad Miller or keeping on to uh, to Travis Shaw. Hold on. I asked if I could pick someone else up front and then I was told no. And Keith decides to just have anarchy throughout the podcast. Unbelievable. All right. We can we can move on. Sorry, guys. Change rules. <laughs> All right. On this question, he also has troubles at second base. He's wondering if dropping Devin Travis for Cesar Hernandez would be beneficial to him. Yes, it would, yeah. but, but not for the reasons that you would think at this point. Uh, he's got some power going on right now. Don't worry about the power. It's kind of the same thing as Manuel Margot uh, or Manuel Margot is, I think, how you pronounce his name. They have more speed than power, but for whatever reason, they have a couple home runs right now. For me, I'm looking to drop Devin Travis right now. He's on a 1-for-28 stretch right now, and also he's coming off a major knee surgery. Blue Jays struggling right now. I am not a big Devin Travis fan. I just cut him in every league I owned him. Hernan is off to a great start. I mean, he's got, he doesn't have the power that what he's supporting right now, but you know, a lot of guys came up and hit 20, 20 plus home runs last year from the middle infield position. I think that's something that's going to continue to happen. I was big on Travis last year. I think he's got a ton of potential, but he is just struggling at the plate right now. So um, I think Travis is going to be available if you want to drop him. If he starts to hit again, he'll probably, you'll probably have an opportunity to pick him back up. So I, I wouldn't feel bad uh, yeah. dropping him for Hernandez or somebody else. Yeah. The, the last spot on my roster the last maybe three or four spots are ones that i have no problem dropping at any point and picking up another guy so he would definitely be gone for my roster and just for and this is the same guy that asked us the two questions i would rather drop him five times over than drop travis shaw absolutely oh i agree well we're unanimous <laughs> all righty that moves us on to our third and final topic todd you've got best players or waiver ads that are owned in less than 50 percent of leagues so we're using espn's percentages for for our own players. My first player outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. Now, there's three Garcias that do play the outfield for the White Sox, <laughs> so make sure you're picking up the right one. Absil Garcia. He's hitting 465, two homers, 10 RBIs. Showed a lot of power in the minors with that 6'4", 240 frame, but he finally seems like he's putting it together. So what do you guys think about Garcia? Avisel Garcia is a guy that, when he first came up, people, for whatever reason, compared him to Miggy and called him Little Miggy, and he got really good praise, got traded for, uh, I believe it was Jose Iglesias to the White Sox. And then at that point, hasn't really done much since. He got injured one year. I think it was a torn shoulder labrum. Really hasn't had much power. Tops out at 13 home runs. Tops out at 59 RBIs. And that's over 148 games and 600 plate appearances. That's not a cup of coffee again, as I was saying earlier. So I think I would try to sell him high if, if there would be somebody else to take him from you. But I don't think he would be the guy that I would be riding the hot streak for. I think I would go after one of the other guys. Yeah, he's got an OPS right now of 1,185. So it's 11, his OPS is 1,185 <laughs> right now. His career OPS is 714. I agree with Phil 100%. I would be looking for somebody in in, in your league to, to sell high on him. I haven't heard or seen anything from what he's doing to think that this is sustainable. I think this is probably just a, a situation where he had a hot two weeks, and uh, and I'd be looking to, uh, to to pick up somebody else that's that's struggling out there that you could in your league. And he's 30% owned, by the way. My next player is at 31% owned, shortstop Zach Cozart from the Reds. He began the season on a 10-game hitting streak. He's currently hitting 432 with a homer and seven RBIs. 
He hit 16 homers last year, so he did show some pop potential last season. What do you guys think of Cozart? He's also a trade candidate this year. I know the Reds were trying to move him over the offseason, yeah. but I, I'm betting by midseason they'll be moving him. As for what he'll put up for you up until then, kind of up in the air. I, I buy the 16 home runs last year. He did it with a 252 batting average and a 308 on base percentage. His career slug in seven years is 390 with a 683 OPS. His OPS right now for this year is 1218. So obviously he's hitting out of his mind right now. I still believe that he could, you know, he could hit 16 home runs and probably, you know, steal you four or five bases. But I think at the middle infield position, I think there's probably 30 guys, honestly, that could probably do that. But I'm looking for a guy probably more like a, a Ryan Schimpf that could hit 30 home runs, maybe with a with a 198 batting average, but that could be a little a little more elite in, in any one category than than somebody that's going to hit 14 and, and 10 or something like that. Yeah, he's also a guy I probably wouldn't try to pick up. Just a quick glance, Didi Gregorius is a guy that's only 23% owned and he had more power last year around about the same batting average. Marcus Simeon, I know he just got hurt, but he had power and speed last year and uh, Chris Owings just got over 50% in the last couple of weeks. So I guess he wouldn't be a guy that would be a candidate, but yeah, I think I would uh, try to stay away from him. You're going to kind of chase the good and you're going to get the bad. I think I think I did like about Cozart last season was 14 of his uh, 16 home runs came in the first half. He's a guy who traditionally starts hot. So with Cozart, he's a guy that I would maybe look at adding and just kind of riding the early season wave. He seems to, he hits very well in April and May statistically throughout the season. And that was, actually exactly what i was going to say is is because there's so many opportunities like you know drop devin travis for a month and pick up zach cozart and when zach cozart goes cold and devin travis starts hitting you know first or second in that lineup pick up devin travis but i think there's a ton of those guys that are at the shortstop middle infield position that are going to do potentially this you know ride the streak while you can and and you know get as much out of it while he's hot that was actually the exact move i made this week in our league that we're all in i dropped Travis and added Cozart. So now for some pitchers. At 23% owned, we have Willie Peralta from the Brewers. Currently, he's 3-0 and for 2.65 ERA. In his last 10 starts of 2016, he had a 2.92 ERA. What do you guys think of Willie Peralta? He doesn't really strike enough guys out for me, to be honest with you. Yeah. He's a guy that his career uh, strikeout rate is 6.4, and he has 3.2 walks per nine. 1.4 whip for his career. I think, again, this is something where it's fool's gold and then you're just going to pick it up and then it's going to kill your ratios for if you're in a roto league for probably half a season. The thing that scares me, I guess, about him is, <laughs> you know, not knowing a whole lot more than just the park factor. I think Miller Park is probably the third best park to hit in, in my opinion. So it's, it kind of scares me, a fringy guy like him, where I, I feel like if you put him out there, he's... He's going to have like three great starts. You're going to put him in your lineup against somebody that you would expect to struggle like the Padres. And he's going to give up like nine runs at Miller Park against the Padres. And you're going to be like, why did I do that? I just feel like he's he's kind of a heartbreaker (laughs) where you just can't predict enough success from him. If he continues at this pace, then I think for sure I'd look to pick him up on on just a flyer. But as of right now, I don't see anything that that makes me want to just jump out and get too too aggressive on him. Yeah, if you're kind of stuck with him at, at this point, I would be looking to get rid of him. Package him in a deal for something to upgrade because I 
don't see those numbers sustaining. And if they do, well, good on the guy that you trade with. I mean, just not not much there that really says these numbers are legit. And my final pitcher is CC Sabathia. He's currently 28% owned in ESPN, 2 and off a 1.47 ERA, 1.04 whip, and his last six starts of 2016, he had a 2.7 ERA. What do you guys think of CC? So CC came into this year, came back in shape. He dropped 20 to 30 pounds and apparently his fastball is sitting in the 91-92 range, which he hasn't been there since like 2013. So reinvigorated a little bit. I, I think it's a coincidence, but his contract expires this year. <laughs> Funny how that is works. That, uh. is, that, is that weird? He's a guy that I would honestly pick up just because of that. He's a guy that I actually did pick up in a league recently. In that, in that particular league, there's not much on the waiver wire, so it's not much to say. But at that point, I needed a pitcher, and and he was there, and he's a guy that he's going to give you some innings, and he's going to give you decent innings. Um, he, he might get shelled every now and then because he's in Yankee Stadium, but I think overall you're going to get maybe a 3-5 ERA, maybe a 1-2 whip, and uh, some decent strikeouts. I, I saw some of this game up to see if there was anything like velocity or any any pitch change or usage that would have you know pointed towards a, a better outcome from him. I didn't really see anything. I didn't dive in too deep, but he's a guy that's had a ton of success. It could be a motivation thing. He's had his problems with that in the past. I didn't uh, jump out and grab him any spots. You know, that could be just some 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 biased and some couple bad years that he's had in the past. So somebody that I'm just going to keep an eye on, but as of right now, I'm not, uh, not making any trades or, or picking him up anywhere. Well, gang, it's been a great week. What can we expect from you this week? Crickets. Well, <laughs> this week I'm actually uh, writing a piece. I'm going to be working on my perfect staff. So what this piece is going to be is it's going to be seven pitchers that I drafted uh, a fair share of this year that is kind of my look at what my perfect staff would have been if I could have drafted. A lot of these guys I picked up in, I have three of the seven or I have four of the seven in some leagues, but I didn't have any where I had these exact seven guys. Some of them that, that have had good success early in the season and some that uh, that I think are a good buy low candidates. Uh, but look out for that to be uh, to be out earlier uh, in the week. And just a reminder, you can find all of our articles at at the line score on Twitter. I am currently still trying to think of something to write about. So if you guys have any ideas, <laughs> I am at the baseball Jedi. You could write about why you hate James Paxton. Uh, <laughs> it's not that I hate James Paxton. It's just that I like the other guys. Come on, guys. All right, and I am at front office Jer. Find us on Twitter at FanFrontOffice. All of our handles are in the bio, as well as the link to our iTunes. So please subscribe and review us. Drop us a review. That'll help us climb the rankings. Anyway, until next week, we have been the Fantasy Front Office.